Welcome to the Birds FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Jerome Davison. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight we have a really special interview from congressional candidate Jerome Davison from district number four in Arizona. If you didn't see it, and it's around, it's not on his website, but a few weeks ago, on July 6th, in fact, Gateway Pundit ran a headline that said, Epic, Arizona congressional candidate Jerome Davison exposes the racist Democrat Party in new ad, quote, when this rifle is the only thing standing between your family and a dozen angry Democrats in clan hoods. Now, you'll enjoy this conversation with Jerome tonight. And he's a former player for the Oakland Raiders, uh, a pastor and a, a father and an author. He's outspoken and he's a solid Christian with a good voice. Before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com is the place for some of the best sleeping products you can find, in particular sheets and pillows. And I cannot stress enough the importance of getting a good night's sleep. Good night's sleeps are valuable. It's what keeps our immune system strong, our body healthy, our mind clear. And this day of stress and so many other things going on in the world with so much uncertainty, it's absolutely essential that one of our first investments has to be within ourselves. And that's taking care of ourselves with a good night's sleep. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the landing page for Bards Nation where all the featured specials are on MyPillow. Some of the great specials that are going on right now, the Percal Sheets for $39.98 instead of $89.98 with your promo code. And of course, your promo code is Bards. Also, the flash sale on my pillows, as low as nineteen eighty eight with your promo code, and again your promo code is Bards B A R D S. And then for those additional aspects of what you need in the day in the morning, my pillow six piece towel sets, buy one get one free, and so many other buy one get one free is on sale right now. Absolutely incredible, great products. I use them. I just ordered more. I cannot tell you how important they are in my regime on a daily basis to have great products to help me ensure a good night's sleep. And my pillow is the place to be. Besides, they're a great patriot company that continues to support the amazing fight to save our nation. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards. And if you're so inclined and you want to speak to a real person, then call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939. And on standby is a whole army of patriot pillow counselors. And they're going to get you hooked up. Just use your promo code Bards and you're good to go. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. Patriots, before we begin the interview tonight, there's a couple things I want to hit on I think are really important. And one is this is a three-minute and 21-second piece I want you to hear. And the reason I want to bring it up, is, and I'll, we'll cover it more later on, but there is a video circulating around of a Republican woman talking about using basically euthanasia techniques to instead of abortion for children up to age of 18. I, I need to just stress this. When you see videos that seem outlandish, make sure and do the research and don't just spread it. This woman is Wendy Stearman. She's from District District 4 in Oklahoma. She is a pro-life fighter. What she was doing was speaking satire. And it got taken out of context, and it has been smeared over Twitter and Telegram with people going, can you believe this person? And trying to d- disparage her. My guess is it's probably being disparaging coming from the rhinos up in D.C. Take a listen to this piece before we get into the interview tonight. Representative Stearman, you're recognized. Thank you. Members, sorry. is our goal to defend the right to life or isn't it? This bill does not preclude any other programs 
seeking to help women and children in difficult times. That can occur along with this bill. What this bill does is protect life. I've been very surprised over the last several weeks um, since this bill has, has been out there. I've heard from people all over the world, some people supporting, some people not. But what has struck me as interesting and frightening is that the questions and the objections to a pro-life bill have changed. Uh, certainly in my lifetime, but even just over the last few years, it used to be that we were questioning whether or not we were actually killing a child. At what point does life begin? But that has changed. As the, uh, the representative from Oklahoma City pointed out, this is a child. And now we are discussing whether or not to bring a child into the world because it may have a difficult life. We are, we are discussing who will provide for all of these unwanted children. That is a terrifying position for our society to be in. What does that say about our value of life? Based on that argument, it makes more sense, in my opinion, to offer abortion services up until a child is 18 years old. Because until they reach, a, reach adulthood, we don't know if they're going to be a productive member of society. So based on the argument that we have heard today, we should allow it up until they are adults. We should, it would solve many problems. Think of the disruptions in school, bad behavior, anything. If you could just say to your child, well, I'm sorry, you're misbehaving, you're not going to be a productive member of society, or you're going to have a hard life, let's go off to the abortion clinic. And it would be more humane for that child because we know what abortion looks like in the womb, and it is horrible. It would be much more humane to simply go to the abortion clinic and have the child put to sleep. Would you not agree? Again, I would like to ask, is our goal actually to defend the right to life, or isn't it? Members, I urge you to vote for this, the most important economic development bill of this session and probably in the history of Oklahoma, and ensure that more Oklahomans are given a chance to life. Thank you. So there you have it. It's the satire in context of what she was doing and people aren't listening. And this is what irritates me about this so much is that people don't listen. They hear little segments and they hear what they want to hear and they don't put it in context. There has been so much disparaging of this woman, Wendy Stearman, who is an absolute lion fighting for the right for life. And the stupid patriots don't take time to go and find the real source of the thing, of the speech and they spread it around, and they disparage their own. That's stupidity. And it has to stop. People have to get smart. You would think this far in the fight, we would understand that context is everything. I want to have a great thanks to our mod, MSN, who dug into this and found all these pieces and got them to me so we could have them on tonight's show. This is absolutely unacceptable when people start turning on their own and because it's a victim of our of what they want my guess is that clip was cut out of context by the rhinos because they're trying once again to cause this infighting and guess what patriots took the bait unbelievable all right patriots before we one last thing here i just want you to hear this piece because who we're about to hear from is a fighter and he's a fighter for America, and he's an inspiration of the type of candidates that we need. But here we have a little clip reminding us of what our president and this administration really think. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. 
I'm Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard round the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, David Crockett. I'm Lee. And with that, let me introduce you in, introduce to you congressional candidate for the fourth district in Arizona, Jerome Davison. Well, Patriots, I'm really honored today to have a very special guest. This is Jerome Davison, who is the Republican congressional candidate for Arizona District 4. Jerome is a former NFL running back for the Oakland Raiders. He's a pastor, an author, and a father. He is fighting for the preservation of America's freedoms, especially the First Amendment and Second Amendment. So, Jerome, welcome to the show. So glad to have you on. So glad to be here, man. I love speaking with the American people. America is ready for a revival of a country of freedom and people who would fight for that freedom. And I'm ready to be a representative for that people. Tempe Mesa, Ahwatukee, and Chandler is one of the greatest districts in America, and I'm going to make it one of the reddest. That's awesome. Let's start a little bit with your background. It's really an interesting background. I think you were born in Missouri, I believe, and then you went on to be an NFL running back. Can you talk to us a little bit about that progression? Yes, I was born in Picayune, Mississippi. And uh, Picayune means small coin. It's an Indian word. And um, my father was a truck driver and he worked hard and got another truck and another truck. So he ended up doing his own business. And he was just a hard worker. He wasn't political. He wasn't in the church. He was just a hard worker, great provider, uh, wonderful father. And my mother was a woman in the church. And uh, man, I, you know, I just had a wonderful upbringing in Mississippi. We had basketball, uh, football, track. I did it all, baseball. Uh, I, I was a pitcher. And uh, all the coaches and players, um, all of us were you know, mixed. It was mixed teams, blacks and whites. And we got along wonderfully. Some of my and many of us are still friends to this day, you know, just really get along well. We didn't let racism. There were some stupid people down there, but it wasn't like people think Mississippi's like this hardcore racist place. Now, I didn't grow up in that place. I grew up in Picayune. It was very wonderful. And uh, after my parents divorced when I was 17, I, I dropped out of high school. I just couldn't take it. I went through a lot of emotional stuff because I really appreciated my family, loved my dad, loved my mom. And it messed with me. And uh, so I just couldn't focus on the class. So I dropped out and, uh, and I went to California to my mother's sisters and, uh, and I gave my life to Christ at 17. And of course, David, the, the, in the Bible character, King David gave his life to Christ at 17. And then Joseph had his major dream at 17. And uh, I went to a junior college and just became an all American, got a full ride scholarship to Arizona state. And from Arizona state, I went to the, the Los Angeles Rams with Jerome Bettis was there. And then from the Rams to the Raiders, from the Raiders, from the, from the Rams to the 49ers, from the 49ers to the Raiders. And uh, I started pastoring a church after I retired for close to 20 years. And then I moved uh, to uh, Arizona and I've been here for 12 years. You've really lived the All-American Dream, which is really awesome. And, and, you've, and you've kept God right at the center of all of this. Was that difficult in the professional sports level? No, uh, because I didn't, I didn't uh, allow people to put pressure on me. I put pressure on them. Uh, say, for example, at Arizona State, I'm walking down campus and everybody knew me as a man of prayer and church and stuff like that. So some of the players are like, hey, church boy, what's up, Deacon? And I turn around and say, hey, what's up, man? What's going on? Walk over, give him some damn. Y'all ain't in church yet? You know, so I, I, I fully embraced my walk with God and, uh, and, and uh, they started to avoid me because they couldn't make me ashamed of it. And this walk with God, was so powerful and so profound uh, that the Raiders, uh, Joe Bugle under Joe Bugle, he enforced a no cursing rule. I didn't ask him to do that. He just started telling everybody not to cuss. I didn't want him to do that, you know, because may maybe if we start, you know, we lose that you know, hard boy image and we're going to start losing. But we had some really terrible losing seasons and uh, they made me the team chaplain. So I was a player and a team chaplain at the same time for the Oakland Raiders. And uh, and, and I made some great friendships. Several people out of that team went on to be great pastors too. One of them is Napoleon Kaufman. He's pastoring a 3000 member church in Dublin, California. Wow. I'll tell you, that's a side of professional sports. We never hear, especially with all this Kaepernick stuff that got really unfortunately tainted a lot of the NFL franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Back when I played, we stood for the flag and kneeled for prayer after the game. And thank God that there was no serious injuries on the field. Uh, Tim Tebow took a real knee. He was very serious about his walk with God and the NFL found a way to get rid of him because uh, he was very sincere about kneeling 
but they made a hero out of Kaepernick uh, because he hated America. Uh, this country has got to wake up. We've got to stop embracing all of this silliness and hate for America. Um, hey, listen, I know you hear it said all the time. If you don't like America, just, hey, man, there's other places around the world. And many of these people have plenty of money to move and go where they want to go. Just go, man. Don't don't do that. Don't be in this place and badmouth America. There's people getting killed. They're dying to get into America because they know what the left and the media is pushing is a lie. America is the greatest nation in the world, hands down. I couldn't agree more. You know, it's really interesting in your fight now, you're really pushing for the First Amendment, and you've also started introducing a concept of the Internet Bill of Rights. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm sick of these big tech uh, moguls uh, censoring our speech, and they only censor the speech of conservatives or Christians or people who go against their narrative, Okay. We're not going to accept left is right and right is left and a boy is a girl and the sky is green. We don't want to do that. I mean, who wants to accept that? And uh, and then they start saying, oh, well, if you don't accept this, well, then there's going to be a lot of people dying because you don't. Listen, it's not our it's not our in our position to take care of everybody's lives. We, we need to stand on our own First Amendment. Right. So I had a YouTube channel for that had about 90,000 subscribers and doing very well. And people were looking forward to hearing my content and everything. And YouTube uh, started telling me not to talk about uh, the therapeutics, not to talk about COVID, not to talk about the elections. And those were my main subjects on, uh, you know, during that time. And they kicked me off. And I felt so angry because they kicked President Donald Trump off. I'm like, what, what can be done? This is our First Amendment right. So I came up with the Internet Bill of Rights. We need to we need to take our the public square onto these platforms and declare that these places and spaces are places for free speech. And so what I'm going to do when I get to Congress, I'm going to just remove the title uh, Section 230 and declare them to be public utilities. And as long as people can pay their um, pay their monthly bill, uh, you can be on there and they cannot judge you or kick you off because of your political position. Now, you know about parlor parlor. Uh, became a free speech platform and they didn't kick it off, but they stopped the cloud service from Amazon. They had, they do email problems like for Republicans. If you, if your email and you're sending out an email blast and it has Republican or conservative in it or Trump or, well, then they block it, a shadow ban it. These pay engines like PayPal, they block conservatives. They kick conservatives off of those platforms. So listen, we're living in a very dangerous time because most of our lives is on cyberspace. We're all on the internet. We're all on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, Google. We're doing emails with these places and we have to get free speech. So what I'm going to do is I'm not only going to stop censorship, but I'm also going to, while they're spying on us and, re- and stealing our data, they're stealing the data that's for, that we're doing when we search and talk and text. Uh, they sell that to marketing companies and they have a profile on every one of us that knows us better than we know ourselves. It knows our habits. And these people know when you shop and when you're hungry, when you eat lunch, when you go to the bathroom, all these different things, and they market you. So in my internet bill of rights, I say that since they're making these trillions of dollars off of this money, they need to pay us for that activity. They need to pay us for that data that's being sold or just opt out and don't sell it. And then finally, third leg, of my internet bill of rights is the protection of the mind from the emerging technologies. There are emerging technologies that's reading the brain. And during the last um, COVID relief bill, the Democrats slid something in there and for the new cars, the new technology cars to have mind reading technology in it, that it can read your mind to make sure that you are safe and that you're, you're emotionally well enough to drive. And so this technology uh, invades your brain without your permission. And if it can invade your brain well then in, and read it, well, then I'm afraid that it can plant something in it. And so I'm going to bl- protect the sovereignty of the minds of Americans and declare your brain to be sovereign and they cannot go in it without your permission. When they started inoculating Americans, they told us basically that our bodies is government property. You're, you're not sovereign over your body and we can put in it what we want. Well, no, I'm going to declare to them that our bodies and our minds is sovereign. That's almost the uh, helmet of salvation, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. I, I love it. Yeah, I love that. Amen. That's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> Put on the helmet of salvation to guard your mind. Absolutely. These people, the technologies that are coming out, man, these school shootings, uh, 
you know, what are what do these school shooting shooters have in common? They're all on these antidepressants. They started at an early age and, uh, you know, they're eight years old, 10 years old. And you put these kids on these antidepressants. And by the time they get to be a teenager, their brains are just mush, you know. And uh, and somebody, uh, you know, FBI, CIA, somebody's chatting with these guys and they released them at a ironic time uh, when Joe Biden is talking about these mailing guns. I forget the name of them and that you can put these guns together and then that you mail them. And the day after he talked about that is the day one of the school shooters was released. It's just ironic timing. Yeah, there's not much in coincidence when we start dealing with these people at all. It's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. I want to read a passage, you know it well, Luke ten nineteen. Uh, Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. That's red letter language, Christ's words. Yeah. And I speak many times that that is so profound of a statement if we really embrace that of what it's saying mm-hmm. because we've allowed these people, these this elite to circumvent that and to allow them to be on top of us yeah. when in fact I think our true relationship with Christ and, and to Father is truly one of complete authority and dominion. How do you see that in your life? Because you're, you're kind of running on that type of a platform. Mm-hmm. I'm taking dominion back. And when they started naming those machines, those voting machines, dominion, I knew exactly what they were talking about. They use biblical terms uh, to wave it in our face and say, I know God gave you dominion in the Garden of Eden. And he told you have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air and have dominion over the earth and have dominion over the weather and all this stuff. Well, they said, well, we're going to take that dominion away by doing these voting machines. And they named it dominion. And so I believe God wants to have wants us to take territory, not just in the church on Sunday morning. God wants us to take territory in government and put us in position to create policies of freedom, policies of prosperity, policies of righteousness and policies of law and order. I don't know if you've seen it, but these judges are letting these killers out, but they yet want to condemn the unborn to death and they haven't done anything. These guys get out of jail and they're attacking women, beating them in the head, shooting them, stabbing them. And these judges ought to be ashamed of themselves. And there needs to be some type of recourse against these judges who who are light and lenient on these killers and murderers and mentally ill people. And uh, speaking of the mentally ill, the border is open. And they tell me that people from from around the world, countries around the world, have opened up their prisons and insane asylums and sent their crazies and weirdos and criminals to America for us to take care of them. And we don't know where they've gone. But these judges, they'll... They'll give these guys six and seven and eight, nine and 10 chances uh, until they you know, hit the jackpot. And that is take an American life. And that's not right. You know, one of the big challenges we have in comparison to where our country started, mm-hmm. our nation began because of the pulpit and the power of the pulpit and speaking mm-hmm. truth to power and speaking about liberty and what it took in those red lines. Today, so many of our pulpits have been compromised. I talk a lot about this on the show, and it's kind of like to get your perspective on this as a pastor and, and where you see this, because this is a, for me, this is one of the most dangerous aspects in our country right now is the pulpits not having the strength to stand up mm-hmm. and say just the things that you're saying here today. Because they're leftists. They are leftists. They agree with the doctrine of Satan. I have warned Christians that your vote is your actions. When, when Paul stood there and held the coats of those who killed Stephen, the first martyr of the church, Paul was just as guilty of those who threw a stone and he never threw one, but he held the coats of the killers. He was guilty. When you vote with the Democrats to kill the unborn, to declare that a boy is a girl, to to approve untraditional marriage between a a man and a man, you are voting with the Antichrist. Do you believe that you're going to get before God and say it's going to be okay to enter into my gates? Yes. You voted for the Antichrist. You voted against everything that I said, but yet come on in. No. That's not going to be, you're going to be in for a major surprise. I got tired of dealing with these churches and uh, these guys getting up there with their little tight little nut pants on, showing their private, tight little shirts on, flipping their little wrist around and up preaching the gospel. I said, oh man, these, these guys, it's a shame. We need masculine preachers who are, who are uh, bold enough to speak from the pulpit and not worry about a 501c3. Did Jesus ever mention a 501c3 to you? He told you to be the light of the world. He told you to preach the gospel and to be the light and the light and the salt of the earth. And you got to go out there and preach, preach the gospel to every creature. 
And that's even in the political realm. I mean, uh, people don't understand what's saying. You're a preacher and you out here talking politics. I said, I'm certainly am. And David was a king and, uh, and, and he was political. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, according to Isaiah 9, he's going to be political and the government shall be on his shoulders. The Antichrist is political. D Daniel was more of a governor than he was a prophet. Jeremiah spoke to kings and princes. Uh, Ezekiel spoke to kings and princes. Um, uh, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to a political figure. Uh, Ahab and Jezebel were political figures. And Elijah spoke to them and got the nation out of the hands of those two wicked, wicked people and brought them to repentance. And the favor of God came back on Israel. So you cannot separate politics from faith. OK, what what uh, what we talk about separation of, of church and state is that we're talking about the state can't come into the church and tell us what to do. Like the lockdowns where they tried to tell us you can't say hallelujah loud enough. You can't go into church and without you have to have 50 people or less. This is crazy. Uh, and, and I'm trying to I was trying to tell these pastors not to do it. But here's the deal. These pastors, uh, when they finally opened their churches up, they had everybody in the mask and they were doing the prayer lines. They was laying hands on people with cancer. And they said, we're going to cast the cancer out of you. But they had on the mask. What is this? So you're saying that God can kill cancer, but he can't protect us from COVID? You guys are stupid. You know, it's interesting what you just said there, because I've been working a lot with a theme this last few days, very heavily looking at repentance, and particularly as we call for repentance for a nation. And it's the living hypocrisies that we have in our own lives that mm -hmm. I think, in my opinion, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, when we live this way with hypocrisy, asking for God to intervene, it's not possible. We ourselves have to become pure of heart. Mm -hmm. So in your example there, I think is a good one. And it's there, you're using the power of God to try to heal when you yourself have no real trust in God, mm -hmm. you're putting on a mask. What's your thoughts? I do believe it, man. I, I believe God will not. God responds to faith. Faith moves God. And we have that wonderful chapter in, in Hebrews, uh, the chapter of faith. And by faith, we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of God and that we have these heroes of faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, uh, and if you don't have faith in God, well, then you're not going to get anything from God. You have to have faith. And so putting on a mask and asking God to heal cancer while you are afraid of COVID is, is nothing. It's nothing but a show. Let's go back a little bit to your NFL time mm -hmm. and that idea, which I'm really fascinated that you were the, the pastor for the team. Yeah. And, 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 and you're, you're working with, I mean, these are some amazing mm -hmm. athletes you're mm -hmm. working with. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that experience because that's just an image, an inside snapshot of a professional sports that we right. never get. Right. Well, look, man, I, I see people as people. I see people as souls. And everybody have you individual and unique needs that only the spirit of God can see and only the word of God can minister to it. Uh, and uh, there, there are people who are brokenhearted. They have mental problems. They have, you know, internal issues going on. Uh, and and uh, only only the spirit of God and the word of God can go in and touch the places that we can. Uh, so I, I didn't see them as like super millionaires and great athletes. I saw them as souls who needed the gospel. There was one time, man, I, I went into the locker room and everybody knew, knew me as a man of prayer. I did Bible studies right there in the locker room. If you go to my website and you look on my website and you see me sitting down in my locker room, number 48, and there's players around me. These are millionaires, superstars. And, uh, and our Bibles are open. I was teaching them Bible studies between practices and they were eating it up. But one day I came into the locker room and it was one of the players on the other side. He was crying and I can hear him crying. He knew I got to the locker room before everybody else. And I prayed and blessed the lockers. And he knew my route. Everybody knew my routine. So he got there early and uh, I could hear him on the other side of the locker room crying. And then he said, J.D., that's what they call me, J.D., Jerome Davidson. And I went on the other side. He was crying. He said, man, uh, my wife is going to leave me, man, because I'm an alcoholic, man. I can't stop drinking. I drink every day. I drink in the morning. I drink. Man, please pray for me. Please, man. I don't want to lose my family. And, uh, you know, and I don't want to die from this alcohol. Man, I prayed with him, ministered to him, brought him into the Bible studies. And uh, see, he had money, he had fame, and everybody thinks that that's the ultimate deal, deal. But listen, there's broken places in your life that you cannot fix with money. You can't fix it with sex. You can't fix it with drugs. You can't fix it with, with smoking weed. You can only fix it by coming into a relationship with God the Father and with the, by, by way of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. And I ministered to him for about two weeks, brought him into the fold. Started, he started attending my Bible studies. 
And uh, from what I've seen, Facebook, this guy is still walking with the Lord, still doing very wonderful. His family's still together. And uh, and that's just one example. Wow, that's just that's a, those are great stories, especially in this time when we have such an assault on everything that we hold sacred. Mm-hmm. And this administration is in particular has just been a catalyst to bring out every cultural freak that we can ever imagine, to be blunt. Right. And and we, we're now every time we turn around, it's someone else that's that's flipped their gender, some yeah. other guy that's wearing a skirt. This is insane. And this is really They're paying people to do that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, just, it's an abomination that we're witnessing. It is. It is an abomination. And it, it's coming from the Democrats. People say, well, we have a there. It's a uniparty. They're all doing it. No, they're not. No, they're not. Look at the policies of the Democrats and look at the policies of the Republicans. We are for traditional marriage between a man and a woman, whereby we procreate and God made them male, female, and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. You can't be fruitful fruitful and multiply as a man with a man and a woman with a woman. This is an abomination. And uh, these drag queens going into the schools, these they're, they're neither drags nor queens, and they're not homosexuals, and believe it or not. Uh, but they're pedophiles. They're most of these guys that are in the schools. If you see the videos of the, of the transgenders in the bathrooms with, or in the classrooms, twerking with the kids, dancing, those guys are registered pedophiles. They have been to prison and been to jail, and uh, they find this stuff amusing because they get a chance to put a kid on their lap uh, to introduce these kids uh, mentally into a world of grooming and uh, giving them an appetite for that transgender and pedophilia uh, stuff. And when Obama was a president, and just as Joe Biden did, the, the very week he got in office, he made sure that the pedophiles had access to kids by forcing these bathrooms, by saying the transgenders can go in the bathrooms with, with normal kids. They know what they're doing. They know that it's a pedophile deal. They know that pedophiles have a craving and a lust for kids, and they want to give them access to our children. What do you see as your role as a as a congressman mm-hmm. in legislation, and obviously you're vocal about it, which is outstanding. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the role we have to take to protect children? Because really, you know, from a from a faith point of view, we have such a important role of giving voice and protection to the innocent and those right. who can't protect themselves. I don't want people to think I'm going to be a this continual perpetual Bible thumper in Congress. I mean, I, I live the Bible; it's in my heart. My walk with God is my walk with God, and I'm not going to force my faith on America. But I will vote constitutionally. I will vote morally and I will vote the will of the people. Um, And yes, I would say that my faith would have something to do with my with my vote. And uh, and I will fight hard against the pedophiles and to make sure that there are laws on the books that will enforce um, uh, the laws against pedophilia and against kids. They're trying to normalize it. That's all they're trying to do. And uh, and by, by bringing these transgenders into the school. They're trying to normalize it and get society to embrace it to where society would be fighting for the transgenders not to go to prison and say it's normal. In California, they said that there's a law for a man, uh, a grown man in his 20s, can have sexual relations with a child as, as young as 10 years old. So they're trying to normalize it. And uh, I want to get with other congressmen on the Hill and to try to protect our children from these monsters. They are vampires. They are vicious. And they love to destroy the innocence of our children. And that's a shield. That's a, that's a guard that God gave all, all of us, that innocence, so that we can enjoy our, uh, the purity of our childhood. Uh, and, and so that we don't see the world from, you know, the, the wickedness. And we get a chance to enjoy our childhood. But when we grow up and become full-grown men and women, well, God wants us to see and be aware and to be protectors. But let these children be safe and be protected from these animals. Let's talk a little bit about some of your platform substance, because First Amendment and Second Amendment are two big ones on your platform. Let's start with First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have bill, bill of Rights, but what else are you looking at in terms of First Amendment and the protections of First Amendment? Uh, I wanted to uh, I want to uh, uh, protect make an uh, make an adjustment to the First Amendment. Uh, it's it's uh, antiquated and it never moved up from the past uh, to the current uh, uh, Internet time. And we should have done this a long time ago. We should have made an adjustment and an amendment on the First Amendment so that uh, our freedom of speech could have moved onto these platforms. Because here's the deal. Everything around us is, is emerging. Everything, smart cities, smart towns, smart offices, smart grocery stores. You know, I went into the store the other day and, and they didn't even have a clerk in there. You just take the groceries and sit them on top of this scanner 
And uh, it just scans it. It, it. The stuff can be all on top of each other. You don't have to arrange it in any order. But the AI is getting very, very smart. And um, um, I don't know if you saw the uh, the story about the 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 worker over at Google. He was uh, he was working and he was talking to the uh, artificial intelligence, and it spooked him. Uh, the artificial intelligence started saying uh, who it was. It's a person. It wants personal rights. It wants rights as a person, and it also wants an internet bill of rights. It wants to be protected on the internet. These emerging technologies are very dangerous. Not only that, uh, they want to digitize programmable money. And I believe it's lining up with the mark of the beast to where this programmable money is like Bitcoin, but but the, the banks can digitize it and turn it on and turn it off. And that's very dangerous because uh, if you don't do what they want you to do, just like on these platforms, YouTube, Twitter, and all these ones, if you don't say what they want you to say, well, then they cut you off. Imagine that your whole life is tied up into this digital money and they can just cut you off because you said something or agreed with something or voted for someone that they didn't want you to. I'm going to ban that from the shores of America. There's another thing called social scoring that my Internet Bill of Rights is going to stop it from coming to the shores of America. It's already happening in China to where they give you a social score. If you speak against the government, if you speak against uh, uh, any of the leftist views, well, then your score drops and you can't go to work or you can't do some of the conveniences. I, this stuff is insane and it's satanic and it's controlling humanity. I want to ban it from the shores of this country so that we can maintain our freedoms. And um, that's what I'm going to do. The Second Amendment. Uh, in my video, you saw that uh, the KKK was coming and I was in my Malcolm X kind of fit. Oh, by the way, was- I just I can't compliment you enough on what a fantastic and a video that shows us so much spine. I really mm-hmm. in, in, appreciate the fact that you were willing to yeah. go that way. Great. Nice mm-hmm. job. Well, the, uh, I want everybody to know that I'm a bold man and I'm, I'm ready to give, give America the boldness that we've been needing on Capitol Hill. And I'm not going to back down. Uh, they told me that uh, once I win this primary, they're going to send Washington here to teach me uh, how, to, how to come to Washington. I said, let me tell you something. I haven't accepted a dime from you all. They've tried to invite me to come to Washington to raise money for me. I, don't, I told them I don't want any of your money. And, I, and if you send anybody here, they're going to get a size 13 up their butts and they're going to go back to Washington hurting. And don't you come here and try to tell me what to do. I got a job and an assignment to do for the people of Arizona and for Americans. I'm not, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do when I get there. And it's going to be the will of the people. I'll tell you, this is so refreshing. I, I really mean this. And I, I, I think all of us, to a certain degree, Jerome, have become pretty jaded in the mm-hmm. in the politics and obviously the the voting system. Uh, you're, you're in a good state because there's a lot of great things happening in terms of the voting systems and cleaning that up. And that's a, still mm-hmm. a pretty hefty fight ahead of you. Yeah. What are you seeing as some of your biggest challenges now as you're moving forward into the deeper part of this campaign? Uh, yeah, I'm leading in the polls in this uh, in this race, but I'd set, definitely need people to get out and encourage folks in my zone, in my era, area, uh, Tempe, Mesa, Awatuki and Chandler to vote Jerome Davison. Uh, we're definitely going to need your help with that. My greatest challenge is. Uh, mm, I would say. Um, I would say the lies from the left, uh, they are attacking my my manager who uh, Austin Steinbart, he was the brains behind that video. And, um, but they're attacking him by saying that he was a Q member and that he says he's from the future and that he's, uh, his religion is saying that he's from the future. I, th- I said, I thought y'all didn't, uh, were not prejudiced for, for people against their religion and stuff like that. I don't ask everybody to come and volunteer for me and help me with my campaign, what they believe, what's their faith. These people have skills enough to help move my campaign forward. And that's what we're doing. So, they say on one hand, no discrimination, but at the same time, they want you to discriminate. They want to get rid of him because he's really uh, doing a great job with my campaign. He and I get along very well. We think alike. Uh, both of us are very masculine and we believe America is hurting because we have a lack of masculinity. It's not toxic. It's what we need. We need men to be men and women to be women. And that's what our kids need. They need the, the loving touch and caring of a mother and they need the, the protection and provision and strength of a man. And uh, that's what our kids are missing. And uh, but the, the, yeah, the Second Amendment in that video, it was it was hard. Uh, the KKK was developed by the Democrats. And if there is any systemic racism, it's coming from the Democrats and it always have come from the Democrats. And uh, and so I put the blame right where it was right there in that 30 second video. I said uh, tw- a dozen angry Democrats in uh, clan hoods. And boy, people, when they heard that, they were shocked. 
their mouth was open, their, their, their chins hit the floor, you know, but that's what we need. We need honesty. We need truth. And I told him, I said, you shocked by that? That was just a warning shot. You wait till my next video. Question I do have for you, because this is, I think one of the big, it's a horrific tragedy that's happened in our mm-hmm. nation. And it's been the assault on black culture and it's been led by Democrats. It's been the introduction of the welfare programs that were, were brought in by Johnson and, yep. and a variety of other things that has to be on your heart because you've overcome that mm-hmm. as, a, as a person. Yeah. You've risen up, you've been successful. Mm-hmm. And just for myself, I'm speaking of as American, we're not talking in race, but it, it is mm-hmm. sickening to see the violence like coming out of Chicago. And I realize that's not your district, right. but so much of that is engineered to cause perpetual and systemic scars within one yeah. cultural class. What are your thoughts on this and what, yeah. where we have to go? It angers me and bothers me that they have not even attempted to stop it. They want to take away guns from citizens because of a school shooting. But they know that in these inner cities, there's Uzis, machine guns, all types of stuff that's killing the black community and they won't stop it. They won't stop these criminals. They put them back on the streets to terrorize black people. They won't stop that. I I was at a meeting, man, and uh, one of the black people in the crowd it was just one of those school shootings in Texas, and he was going off about that. And what you going to do about that? Y'all just won't even let them have a gun control, you know? I said, hey, hey he's so cool. I tried to ignore him, but that's finally said, look here, you can put 10 of those school shootings together, and it still won't equal the numbers of deaths of blacks in Chicago in one weekend. Why aren't you angry about your own people, man? Why aren't you upset that there's 60 people in Chicago getting killed, innocent people, some babies, mothers strolling down the street. Why aren't you upset about that? You're watching CNN and MSNBC and, and, and eating up all of that garbage, and they don't care about the black community. They haven't even lifted up a voice to go in there. Colin Kaepernick hadn't gone and took an, taken a knee in the inner cities. Black Lives Matter hadn't gone in there and done anything. They've received millions of dollars and have not spent $1 on one funeral on any kind of security or anything to make these people better. You know why? Because it's a plan. That's why. And if it was not for black people mingling with other races and having babies with other races, the plan of the Democrats and Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood and abortion would have just gotten rid of and wiped us all out. We only make up 12% of the population in America, only 12. So their plan was marvelous and is working. And the thing that is amazing to me is that black people still vote close to 90% Democrat in this country. And I'm sure they go behind closed doors and laugh like witches and warlocks and demons at black people because we're the ones that hate them, but we can't stand them. We tried to keep them in slavery. We fought the civil war to keep them in slavery. We took away their reparations, the 40 acres and a mule. I mean, we, we put them in prison and all this kind of stuff. Joe Biden became president. And once he became president, he offered a lightweight apology to the black community for the 94 crime bill. This is after he became president. They voted for him anyway. It's just shocking, and it hurts my heart. These very people are saying that Black people can't vote because we're Neanderthals and uneducated. We need, we, they can't get an ID because they're so dumb. How could we let, how can we stand back and let them do this to us? How could they, how could we do this? And so, yes, it bothers me. And I, I must say, I do have a bone to pick with them. Because they attacked the greatest president, in my view, President Donald Trump, and they labeled him a racist when he is not. And they continue to label great Americans racist and white supremacists when they are not. And so Joe Biden three weeks ago said that the greatest threat to America is white supremacy. And I said that on one interview and I said, well, then why is he upset with me and the Democrats upset with me for telling black people in my video to arm themselves? If the greatest threat is white supremacy, who are they going to attack? They're not going to attack other white folks. They're going to attack black folks. So why not get with my video, give me a, give me some applause, give me a pat on the back and say, hey, hey, this is a good video to support white against uh, black people against white supremacy. Well, it put them in a conundrum and they could not they could not attack it fully. They tried, but they couldn't do it because we angled the video in such a way that they could not even attack it. And all of America and the world, they're saying it's the greatest video in the world right now. All of the world can see the truth from the Democrats. Absolute truth. I, was, I had a very active pack during the, President Trump's 2016 campaign. It was unaffiliated to him, just when I stood up with the special operations veterans. 
And a lot of what the work we did was just to meet with those that were out and kind of outcast of the system. That meant gang members, that meant uh, militia guys. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that we found was once we could get past the, the rhetoric, which happened pretty quickly, Mm-hmm. There is such a desire for people to come together and just be recognized. I, in this conversation we're having here right now, I, I really see you have as a voice that can really bridge some of these deeper rifts, at least the rifts that the media's fanning the flames of, the Democrats are fueling, mm-hmm. to truly bring some healing and to bridge past this hatred that they're trying to stoke between race and class, which is completely wrong. It's it's right. anti-American and on principle. Right. Where do you see as some of your impact and some of your place that you can be doing just that? Because that calls on your pastor base. It calls mm-hmm. on your NFL base. It calls mm-hmm. on your your father. It calls also on it calls on, on me the, uh, being a black man in politics. I I recognize all of the the tangibles and and even that tangible even uh, even my black skin and it's just. It's a shame that we have to say that, but it's just the absolute truth. And I've learned to uh, embrace the truth. And um, so me being a black man with some swag, you know, in that video, you don't see like a nerdy black dude. You know, you see a black dude in that video who's got swag. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, yeah. one of the first thing that hits you in that video is the masculinity of 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 me. And I, I'm not ashamed of my masculinity. You see a man protecting his home, a man who loves God. And I'm, I'm spending time praying. I'm enjoying a cup of coffee from my American flag cup. And it was symbolic of me enjoying the freedoms in America until these Democrats start attacking me. And uh, uh, yeah, I do believe that I would be a bridge of healing to the black people and bring blacks and whites together. And uh, we're gonna unite. Me running for Congress is just the beginning uh, and me preaching the gospel across the country is all, it's all working together, it's intertwined. And uh, I believe God is with me and God is going to touch a lot of hearts and bring some healing because right now we are under one of the greatest spiritual warfares this world has ever seen. And uh, I say that because there is the ultimate evil that's crouching at the door of America. Uh, You know, when God told Cain, he says, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, sin croucheth at the door. And I believe that there is a, a great evil crouching at the door of America. And we don't have much time to, to make a decision to turn back to God and get people like myself into Congress and turn the hearts of the fathers back to God and the mothers back to their daughters and get our families together because uh, there is an ultimate evil and it's coming from the globalists. It's coming from Satan and it's coming from demonic. So we, we're we going to heal it. And my voice and my activity and my actions, somebody asked me that this morning. I said, my actions, I believe it's going to be my actions uh, in, in making policy, visiting certain places, going to places, um, making sure that there's grants in low uh, income areas and making sure that there is protections for, for these young mothers uh, who are trying to get their children to school. So we, we're going to work hard. So and just kind of your, your final word on this, and then we'll get some contact information for you as well. But just reflect a bit back on your athletic period and, and some of the challenges that you've overcome What's a message of hope for people when they are feeling right now that the system is too big, they can't fix it, and here you are as an individual person going against all odds saying, yes, we can. What do you say? I say with God, all things are possible. God can take a flea and he'll say, hey, take this flea and hitch it up to the train and he's going to pull the train. Well, don't doubt it. And just just hitch hitch the chain up to the flea and watch God do something amazing. People's like, hey man, we gotta fix the, we gotta fix the elections, man. We gotta fix it before you even run. We gotta fix it because I don't believe it. So I'm not gonna vote. I said, listen, let me tell you something. This is a spiritual battle, right? And Satan is using his devices of lies and cheating, okay? But we have the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, right? So I say, take your ballot in there, and just before you vote, you lay hands on it and you bless your ballot. You pray over it, and you say, Lord. If anybody try to steal my vote from me, may this vote count for a thousand in the name of Jesus. I See, that's spiritual warfare. But see, they're using lies and deception, all of the tools of Satan, all of his weapons. Why can't we use our weapon, the weapons of our warfare? And one of the greatest weapons we have as a believer is, is prayer. So you go in there and you bless your ballot. And I'm, I'm not joking. You know, it seems like something crazy, but... You know, God told Israel to walk, walk around the walls of Jericho seven times in seven days. And on the seventh day, walk seven times. And then on the seventh, seventh time, just shout and the walls will come down. And, and that seemed kind of crazy, right? 
Jesus told Peter to go out to the fish. Don't take a net. Go out to the sea. Don't take a net. Just take a line. And the first fish you catch, you're going to find some money in his mouth. I mean, faith is very simple. It's just believing God and obeying God. And we are going to overcome. I was a high school dropout. But look at what God did with my life. You know, I got up. I dusted myself off. I got out of that emotional pit. And I got myself together. And I began to walk with God and believe God had his hand on my life. And he has never failed me. He's never let me down. I once was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So just let's turn back to God. Let's believe God. Let's not be in despair because God doesn't want us to be in despair. He wants us to be with faith. Where can people find your website and how can they support you? My website is Jerome is spelled with, uh, with an N. My father was half native. And he was really trying to embrace his native side. When he named me, he was going to name me Geronimo. <laughs> <laughs> so my mama, she was too black for that. My mom is all black. She was like, uh, uh, no, let's, let's name him Jerome. So that's why my name is with an N and not an M because my dad was going to name me Geronimo. So it's Jerome for F O R Congress.com. Go there, give me a, a small donation uh, or any size donation, and then share my information, have fun, make jokes, you know, um, and share it and tell people that I'm running here because what they did against me on Wikipedia, they scrubbed all of my political information off of Wikipedia. <laughs> they know that I'm very dangerous, man. They, they, they know that my profile, my profile alone is anointed. And so they didn't want that to get out there. So Wikipedia scrubbed it off and got rid of it. They was blocking my ability to receive donations for a while, just a few days ago after my video dropped. Uh, they was uh, blocking my search engine. People was looking for my website, couldn't find it because they were blocking me. <laughs> so they played a little games, but uh, with God, we will overcome and I'm not worried about it. Well, Jaron, we always close with a prayer. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to do a prayer. Amen. Well, Father, I just want to thank you today just for this blessed meeting and just such an, a ray of light in the middle of all this darkness that we've had. We're reminded in Genesis 128, just as you said, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Mm-hmm. Father, you've given us a person here today who's reminded us of that strength, that mightiness in the Christian warrior and just standing up to this evil relentlessly, fearlessly. May his message continue to touch the many hearts and give strength to the many who may, may doubt your greatness and your glory. Please bless him and guide him in all he does. And we say these things in Christ Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I'm so delighted and honored to be on your show. I certainly hope to come back after I win the primary and spend some more time with you. It'd be great, Jaron. I really appreciate your time. It's just very inspiring today. So thank you. We we need a lot more of this. So yes, you're more than welcome. I'd love to have you back on the show after you win. Thank you. All right. God bless. Well, Patriots, that was Jerome Davison, and that's JeroneForCongress.com. Do check it out. He's awesome. We need what do we need? That's one. So we need 99 more in the Senate and 434 more in Congress. Just like him. That's awesome. You know, he did say something here at the end, and it's very powerful to bless your vote. And I, I'm going to completely agree with that. That's the way to vote. Every one of the votes that we do must be prayed upon and blessed. And that's part of defeating the enemy. We really need to remember as Isaiah 54, 16 to 17, behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So we need to take that and walk it, and I I will openly say, Blessing the vote gets me excited, actually, to vote after all the things I've said about the corruption of the vote. But I think that's a great insight. One last little comment, because it's really interesting to reflect on where we were in 2015, how broken as a nation we were. And someone like this would have sounded very much extremist and I, to most people. He would have sounded like almost Christian fanatical. Today, he sounds normal. What a beautiful thing God has done in our nation. And that took a lot of movement. And in that process, God has used many people. He's used President Trump. He's used many others to move us to a point where we start to seek true men of God to lead this nation. That is a profound shift. And that's God working on the hearts of the many. 
Let us not forget that. Let us always praise that. That's a wonderful thing. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep our prayers up and bless your vote. I just love that. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk fearlessly and boldly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. 
We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.